Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. On February the 21st, 1997, a radio show which specialised in all things weird received a call from a listener reporting that they'd discovered a bottomless pit on their ranch. The strange thing about this hole was that it was elusive, deeper than anything recorded before, and may have also just been a time machine. Today on the Carb Mini Mysteries, we uncover the bottomless pit of Mel's Hole in Ellensburg. The Coast to Coast Mystery. Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of Macabre Mini Mysteries. I'm Nikki Druce, your host of The Silent G, and today I'll be taking you on a journey into another macabre tale from around the world. Today we're going to be exploring a mysterious time portal in Ellensburg, Washington, and I hope you've got a disposable income because you're going to need a lot of fishing line. However, before we get into today's story, if you're new here and you want more episodes where we deep dive into some lesser known historic tales from London and in fact all over the world and beyond, then please don't forget to subscribe so you never miss a new episode. And also, if you do like the show and you'd like to support what I make to make sure it continues, then why not consider becoming a patron, the link for which is in the description. 
Also, I now have merch, so if you want to get your hands on some limited edition togs, make sure you check out the link in the description. I've honestly just been wearing mine non-stop since I got it, except today where I'm wearing just a plain black t-shirt. So if you're looking for something super comfy, horrifying and stylish, then make sure you check it out. If you're not into t-shirts, then there's also a mug there too. And who doesn't love a novelty mug? Today's story is one of those ones where I'm going to ask you to let go of everything you know about science, possibly grab a roll of tinfoil to make into a nice little hat, and to expand your mind, because we're headed into uncharted territory. The story of Mel's Hole in Ellensburg is something that has been skittering around in the realms of all things weird since the late 90s, when a man named Mel Waters called into a radio show. The radio show in question was Coast to Coast with Art Bell, which, if any of you aren't aware of this legendary paranormal show, it's a late-night talk show which focuses on all things weird. It was hosted by Art Bell, who was a bit of an American icon back in the 90s and noughties. He stopped hosting the show in 2003 and sadly passed away in 2018. The show didn't stop, though, is still on every weeknight, and now hosted by George Norrie. At its peak, the show was being listened to across 500 different American radio stations and regularly garnered listening figures in the tens of millions. The guest list for the show reads like a who's who of pseudoscience, and it's safe to say that listening to this show should definitely be done with a heavy pinch of salt. I personally find the show really interesting, but it definitely has to be listened to with an open mind, as it can be a little out there at times. The show over the years had many controversial guests, such as the renowned psychic Sylvia Brown, the conspiracy theorist David Icke, and the ufologist Bob Lazar. But despite the show delving into some entirely unbelievable topics, the hosts have always been very good at playing devil's advocate and asking probing questions to get the best out of their guests. I like to think of it as sceptical 40 and radio at its best. But what if I told you that the show may have just created its own urban legend? Hard to believe, but maybe this story that was told on the show came from a call coming from inside the building. Now firstly, I'd just like to say I've linked the original call to the show from this guest in the show notes. It's three hours long, so if you fancy a long listen, it's there for you to enjoy. However, I've done the hard work for you and listened to it all, condensed it down, along with the follow-up calls which were later made, and here's what I learned. To start with, let's begin with the very basics. The guest, Mel Waters, faxed through to Coast to Coast, telling them about a mysterious hole found on his property. Art Bell was intrigued by this and wrote back asking if Mel would like to come on the show, which, when you total all of the three interviews Mel did with Art, ends up being three hours long to talk about a singular hole on his property. So, as you can imagine, it gets a bit repetitive after a while. The call went ahead on February 21st, 1997. Mel said at the time of the show he wasn't living on the property as there had been some construction work done after a recent heavy snowfall which damaged his home, so he was calling from the next town over, Manastash. Art begins with all your standard questions, the who, what, where's and why's, and this is what he discovered. Mel had been living at the property for just a few years, but when he bought it from the previous owners, they told him about the hole on the property. The previous owners had lived at the farm for around 35 years and they'd been using it as a dumping ground for the entirety of that time. 
Of course, when Mel heard this, he was very curious, as surely a rubbish hole which had been used for almost 40 years must be getting pretty full. Well, as it turns out, that wasn't the case. The hole was seemingly far from being full. In fact, to Mel, it seemed like it might be entirely empty. When acquiring the farm in Ellensburg, Mel was understandably curious about his newly obtained bottomless pit, and so he began some experiments. Mel was a shark fisherman in his spare time, which, don't be a jerk, Mel, leave the sharks alone. Also, it's a five and a half hour drive to the coast and back from Ellensburg, so I don't think I'd drive all that way for a hobby, but each their own. Anyway, Mel owned a lot of fishing line. So to begin his experiments, he tied a triangular one pound weight to a length of line and then lowered it into the hole. He said he kept adding lines to the finished spools and dropping them down. And from what he could tell, the line just kept on going and wasn't resting on anything. Over time, Mel said he put 80,000 feet worth of line into the hole. So that's roughly 15 miles of line. And he said the weight still never hit anything and he could swing the line around. Interestingly, Mel says that whenever he's taken his dogs to the hole, they don't want to go anywhere near it. And it seems entirely deafeningly quiet inside, even when he's yelled into it. Come on, let's face it, we'd all yell into the hole, wouldn't we? So with the hole being seemingly bottomless, Mel continued with different experiments. He lowered different lengths of line into the hole to see if there was water in it. He tied a roll of lifesavers to the line, which to anyone who isn't American, that's like little mints with a hole in them, like polos, my English folks. He lowered the mints into the hole and left them to see if they dissolved, but when he pulled them back up, they were untouched without a drop of water on them. So if this was a big old hole on the property, why might it have been there? Perhaps it was an abandoned mine shaft or a deep water well. The hole itself more resembled a well, with Mel saying that it was walled for as far as he could see, at least 15 foot. And he thought it might have been a mine shaft, but it didn't look as well maintained as he thought it might be if it was one. Lights had been lowered into the hole, but after about 30 to 40 foot, the light reflected back up, wasn't doing anything to illuminate the hole, and so they couldn't see anything further down. Mel said the initial brick-lined well-like structure seemed to open out into rock. The legend of the bottomless pit on Mel's property was also known to his neighbours. As it turns out, they'd also been using the hole as a rubbish dump for a long while, and they just continued to use it, throwing things into it willy-nilly. The strangest tale which circulated in the local area and which Mel was told by someone in the town was that a man who had been a hunter had thrown one of his departed dogs into the hole instead of burying it. Which, I've heard a lot of people talking about this story saying, why wouldn't you just bury the dog? But if this was a hunting dog and the guy had loads of them, I can see why he may have just done this to get rid of it quickly if he wasn't that emotionally attached to it. I'm not saying that's the right thing to do, personally not something I would do because it isn't, but I can understand the logic behind it. So long story short, the man throws the dog into the bottomless pit and thinks nothing of it. Then a few weeks later, he sees the dog in the woods. He tries to call it over and it ignores him and runs away. Now again, there's lots of holes in the story here, pardon the pun. If the dog was a hunting dog, it probably looked like a lot of other dogs, and so could have been easily mistaken. 
How did the dog get out? Why was it not injured after being thrown for seemingly 15 miles? And I don't know, there's just lots of things here that don't add up. Mel even says he thinks the story might be fake himself. The farm itself was said to be on Native American land and quite possibly burial land. Now, if you've ever read Pet Cemetery, then you'll know this sounds very familiar, so perhaps Mel had been reading a lot of Stephen King. However, no one seemingly spotted this at the time, and instead the conversation turned to pollution. Mel said that strangely, even from the years of dumping rubbish unceremoniously into the hole, the water and soil had been tested in the area and everything was all good. No babies with extra limbs or three-eyed fish were to be found. On the show, Art asked callers to get in touch if they wanted to volunteer to go down into the hole, and he actually had someone call in and volunteer. They did have a few provisos, though. They wanted a cage to protect them from any bottomless pit trash-eating subterranean monsters, and a button to instantly pull them back to the surface if anything were to go wrong. When Art asked Mel if he'd ever considered getting into the hole himself, he said, absolutely not. He was concerned about whether there was air at that depth, about noxious gases, and overall, he just didn't think it was safe to do so. The caller, however, who offered himself up to be lowered into the hole, had also done some background research, and he let Mel know that he was the proud owner of the world's deepest hole. Put that on a certificate and frame it. The Mariana Trench is recorded as a mere 36,000 feet deep, seven miles, which is shallow compared to the depth of Mel's seemingly bottomless pit. So with such an amazing geological find, Art asked Mel if he'd ever thought about telling the authorities, and he said his wife, who worked at the local university, had mentioned it to researchers there, but nothing had come of that, and that he was worried about telling too many people, as he didn't want his property to become a dark tourist destination. He'd even protected the hole and put a cover over it as he was finding that word was spreading around town and he was worried kids would try and crawl into it, so he locked it up. So the interview ends there, but the story stuck with listeners of Coast to Coast and people kept requesting a follow-up from Mel. And three years later, in 2000, they got one. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready get 30, ready get 20, 20, 20, get 20, 20, get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Mel, who had dropped off the radar since the first call with Art, got back in touch with the show and they set up another call as he had some very interesting updates. During his interview, Mel said the day after he'd featured on the show the first time round, FBI agents turned up at his property and seized it. 
as Mel was elsewhere due to the snow damage on the property, he arrived to see his place was taped off and he wasn't allowed to enter. Mel asked why and the agent said it was due to an aeroplane crash. He asked if he could see the damage and they said no. He then said he didn't believe them as he couldn't see anything and the agents told him very calmly that there may not be a plane crash but there could be a drug lab found quite easily on his property. With the threat of an arrest, Mel made himself scarce and left the property. Taking a little time to think, Mel said he was going to go to the papers with the news of the unlawful seizure of his property and the story of the whole, and so after a little back and forth negotiation, Mel was given the offer of the property being leased for $250,000 a month in perpetuity, as long as he promised to go away. With such a lucrative offer, Mel bit their hand off and decided he could now go and do something fun with his new riches so he jetted off to Perth in Australia to go and help at a wombat rescue centre, which sounds entirely wholesome and an excellent decision. The arrangements were made by the agents, and Mel said that the paperwork and everything else was all taken care of. He was even allowed to take his dogs with him, which, if you know anything about Australia and you remember the whole Johnny Depp Amber Heard dog thing, you'll know dog imports are extremely rare to the continent. Even in the interview, Art confirms that the emails he'd received from Mel had come from Australia. Mel said he had a wonderful time whilst there, he felt like his volunteer work was good and fulfilling, and overall, the strangeness of his Washington property had helped him live out some dreams and to have a pretty free life. After nine months in Australia, though, Mel got bored and missed his family, so he returned to Ellensburg. He made a stop by the farm and was met by agents who said actually the payments would now be stopped and that the property now belonged to the government. Now here's where things get even stranger. Before this and before his extradition to Australia, Mel said in the pursuit of finding out about the hole, they decided something had to be lowered into it. So he and a friend got a sheep, secured it to a line and lowered it into the hole. They left it for a short while and then pulled it back up. The sheep, unfortunately, was dead and looked like it had been cooked. Now, to check to see how the sheep had died, they cut it open. Inside, they found a seal-like creature. The creature, which was alive, stared at the men for around 30 minutes before turning and flopping its way back toward the hole where it jumped back in. Now, this is where things get even more bizarre because Mel said that he'd been recently diagnosed with cancer and that after pulling the strange seal creature out of the sheep, he had a checkup to begin treatment, but the doctors said his cancer was undetectable and it had completely gone. Now, I don't know why Mel didn't mention this during his first interview on the show as it seems pretty significant, but he didn't and to me the timeline of this all seems a bit messed up and all over the place. And cancer healing sheep tumours? Come on now, that's even a step too far for me. So a few years go by and Mel once again comes on the show in 2002. He says something else odd has happened since his last interview. Mel gets on a bus in Ellensburg a few days later after helping his nephew move house in Olympia, and whilst he's travelling, he's witness to an altercation between two men. The bus pulls into a nearby garage to sort things out and to take statements. Mel agrees and says he'll talk to the cops, so they say, great, get in a bus and we'll take you to Olympia. Mel obliges. 
Fast forward 12 days and Mel comes to in an alleyway. He's surrounded by homeless people and feels very groggy. He asks them where he is and they say San Francisco in Chicago. Mel says still to this day he has no idea how he got there. He had no personal belongings but he still had his own clothes. He said he felt a pain in his arm and he saw that there had been something in his vein and residue of tape on his skin. He also had no back teeth. All his molars had gone. Also, it's very odd, but if you listen to both the earlier interview and the third one in 2002, his pronunciation does sound a little different. Mel managed to make his way back to Olympia after calling his nephew, who paid for tickets for him, and then he went back to the safety of his nephew's home. He then stayed in Olympia and didn't go back to Australia. So Mel wraps up his third and final interview with a shocking revelation. He tells Art that he thinks that the Heaven's Gate cult massacre may have had something to do with his property in Ellensburg. He doesn't say why, but he said he believed that Marshall Applewhite, the leader of the cult, may have visited the property before the end of the cult. And so from what I understand here, I think Mel thinks that the hole is actually an alien portal. If you've not listened to my episode on Heaven's Gate, then please do, as that will give you a bit more context on that. Finally, Mel gives out an email address for people to contact him on if they have any questions. So guess what I did? I emailed it and I'm pleased to say we have... No, I'm just kidding. It bounced back. Since then, others have tried to get in contact with the elusive Mel and his family. But when reporters delved into the story, they couldn't track down anyone of that name having ever resided in any of the towns, not even in Australia. So this story to date has arguably been Coast to Coast's best ever mystery, and it's had people guessing for over 20 years now as to the credibility of the story behind the so-called bottomless hole. It may well be that this is entirely true. The area could be out there and still under wraps by the US government. It's not been able to be located by search parties and a quick search on Google Maps in the general area does bring up something on a property, which I'm showing on YouTube now, dear podcast listeners. But I don't know. If this is your home and you happen to be there right now, then please let me know. Would it be too far of a reach to suggest this was a very well-constructed story which may have just been put together by the Coast to Coast team itself? Or perhaps this was an elaborate hoax created by someone which, if it was, give them an Oscar because it's so fantastically well acted, so much so that it's now become modern folklore. But all we do know is that for now, Mel's Hole will remain a macabre mini-mystery. Thanks for joining me for this episode as always i'd love to know your thoughts on this one and please leave me a comment and a thumbs up on youtube or a rating on your podcast provider and if you're new here then why not subscribe and join the ghoul gang also if you do like the show you've been listening for a while now and you'd like to support what i make to make sure it continues then please consider joining me as a patron like these legendary executive patreon producers amy christina christoph jess karen kate kevin mary rose sally sam sarah Teresa, v and veronica and all of our other patrons too if you just want to give a one-off gift then there's a range of ways to do that check out the support me section in the notes for links 
All support is 100% vital for me being able to continue making the show. And thanks from the bottom of my heart for even considering supporting me. You're the best. And don't forget to head to the merch link to get your hands on those exclusive designs I've been telling you about, as they'll only be around for a short time. Merch is available at macabrelondon-shop.fourthwall.com. Also, if you do sign up to Patreon and you're on the £5 and up tier, then you'll get a nice fat discount on merch too, so it makes it worth your while, and you get all the extra content too, so it's a win-win really. Thanks for joining me for another Macabre Mini Mystery. I've been Nikki Druce, and I'll see you ghouls next time. <laughs>